occurrence. All right, so Bonnie and Bob back with the conversation. This is number 12 of our conversations together. We've missed out the month of November. Heard someone say that November kind of snuck in and had a quick bite to eat and didn't even say goodbye and is now just has left the driveway and we're already in eight days into December. I mean, November really was a blink of an eye, really. And I think it has to do with the time change and just all of us getting ready for the holidays. So excited to be back with you, Bob. And uh, we've already been talking for about a half an hour before um, before we push the record button, and it was starting to get really good. So I said, hold it, hold it, hold it. Let's do it. Let's let everybody in on this, which is what these conversations are supposed to be. They're not um, something that we plan in advance necessarily. Um, we have a guide um, that we thought of months ago when we first started these that has a list of topics from which we can choose that we believe are important to um, the life of faith. In, and so it, we kind of select from those, but um, it does, we don't necessarily script it out. And, and that is why we call it a conversation because it goes back and forth and we can ask questions. I was talking about this practice that I have right now at the beginning of a week, I have been wanting to get like some FaceTime with the Bible again <laughs> and not um, the study of it and commentaries about it or books about it, which is often, you know, a lot where we go. And so I was like, I just want to open my Bible and just read it, the the one. And so I started at the beginning of the week with, I just kind of picked I picked Galatians a couple of weeks ago and I picked first Corinthians this week and was reading through. Um, and when you get to about chapter 11, Paul starts talking about, he used this interesting phrase that which I received from the Lord. I also, I now give to you the thing that I received from the Lord, I give to you. And what's interesting about what we can tell from what Paul, from Paul's writings is that, Paul wasn't one of those early rings of, of, of disciples. He wasn't a Peter, James, John character. He wasn't, um, he wasn't running around with the Lord Jesus. And so there's these texts um, in maybe the first part of Galatians and some others that would, would indicate that, that Paul, and Paul says about it himself, that he, he was an apostle chosen by God, you know, not by anybody else. So he, he received that, that which he received, he received directly from the Lord. And, um, and then he is writing from that revelation. And if you want to read about kind of Paul gives a little bit of a resume, the first chapter of Galatians, if you want to go see that and see where Paul spent some of his time learning and becoming educated in the way um, of Jesus that he formerly was uh, known for persecuting. And so the thing that he was out to kill and destroy, he then it has this life-changing event that now causes him to be the biggest champion for um, what they used to call the way. Um, we, man, fascinating stuff that's happened in the month of November. Um, one of our local uh, local ministers and uh, people that I know Bob and I 
really loved was uh, Carlton Pearson transitioned in the month of November. Um, and I think it wasn't, I mean, he actually transitioned in November and we had his services. They're having services all over the country now for him to celebrate his life and what he brought to um, the world of um, the world of ministry and theology. And um, it's interesting, all of the back and forth uh, conversation that's been happening around his life and how he, you know, the um, polarized uh, opinions about his life and his faith and what he, when he, when he made it, it, when he, when he believes, I mean, he would say that, that he received a revelation from God that all are included in God's love and all are included in Christ. I mean, that's how he would say it that in the, in the relentless, extravagant, limitless love of God that everyone was included. When he started making a bold declaration about that is when he got kicked out of all of his circles and affiliations. And, um, and that was in the early two thousands um, and lost everything, lost all of the support and infrastructure that he had in the evangelical world and in conservative Christianity um, and lost all of that. And I, when did you go to higher dimensions, Bob? No, you can leave it. was uh, when I, um, when I was, I'm trying to think if I started when I was at ORU, because I first started when I was at ORU, I was at um, Victory. We called it Victory Convenience Center. Because <laughs> all we had to do was get out of bed and walk across campus and go to the Maybe Center. And um, so if we weren't visiting um, Pastor Sheets, then um, illegally, when we'd stay, stay in our room, and, and you had to hide because the RA would go up and down the hall and check the rooms if they were empty. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> and assume that you were out somewhere, but you could go anywhere. So how are they going to, like, I don't have any, you know, anybody everywhere, but no, but a lot of us did. We would just go over to Victory. But then later, um, I finally left there because I got so frustrated with the message. <laughs> I left a lot of churches because I didn't like the messages. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess it's saying so, that you stayed, you stayed at house church for so eight years now yeah eight or nine years eight and years that we, we were in a house church a, 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 a i call it a real house church before that well just one that stayed that way it, it stayed a, a, a legitimate well not a legitimate a literal house church for uh and it's still going we co-founded it um it's like 20 years old now wow. and uh, yeah some of the some of the kids that were came you know that were the parents that we we all started it they are now the people who are you know make up the majority of them there's about 40 or 50 of them or something like that that meet and they're mostly college age and they're their wife their spouses and their kids and it's really cool but anyway so i yeah it was when then i switched from victory and i think that's when i went to higher d i went to a couple other churches too but i went to higher d and then i was there for years and um was in the choir and and um, was called the white boy could blow and because <laughs> I uh, I love this 
last week we had such a beautiful celebration with music and I just I I so I just kicked myself that you weren't there and I don't know if you would have been able to go or not but I just hated that I didn't extend that invitation to you and let you know that it was happening I guess I just assumed that you knew but I and knowing that you were part of the choir I mean you just have loved the music and the praise I'm I told um, Tamara, well, we we know now after now that we have attended uh, a number of black church services, do not go without having first fed yourself and make sure you are hydrated, because if you don't want to miss out, you're going to be in for three to five hours, depending on. And and if they allow you to bring a water bottle, do that because <laughs> you will. It's like going on a journey. You need to prepare, yeah. and that's exactly what happened. And I we ended up going through that McDonald's out in North Tulsa because the um what the celebrate the musical celebration among other services was out there at this place like Grace Temple, I think, like way out at Forty Sixth Street North, and uh, beautiful oh, yeah. church, beautiful church out there. Um, yeah. I went and, to that one and there, was, there was like a McDonald's on the way. I mean, they call that area kind of a food desert in Tulsa, but there's a McDonald's there. So we drove through the drive through got a little hamburger on the way into the service. And I was feeling sort of badly about the caloric intake because I was like, oh man, I didn't really want to eat this hamburger. And what if we want to eat afterward? I don't really want, I didn't want this, but I danced my, I danced it off. I mean, we, we danced the entire yeah. time. So yeah. I was glad I had that little cheeseburger. Cause I was like, oh, I, I barely sat down. We, we danced. I'm a dancer. I love in those, in those services. I just jump and hop with the, with everybody. And I love it. And it was, it was beautiful. And the people that were gathered there were really reminiscent of my early church experience. Um, Judy McAllister is a beloved praise and worship leader from years and years ago. She was really popular in the 90s. And and of course, Azusa made a lot of people, you know, gave them a platform. And were you around Azusa in those days as well? Did you go what to did you go to the Azusa conference in any of I, it, it was weird. That's I <clears throat> I know I went to a few of the services when they would, you know, because they would last for days. And usually it was just like in the evening when they had the, the teaching. I, I, that, you know, the main teachers, and they'd have like um, one of my favorites, absolute favorites, Iberna Tompkins would come and she would speak and, and people like that. And so, because I'm, you know, and she's an amazing teacher. Mm. And, um, but, um, what was her name? Iverna Tompkins. Is she still living? Uh, I th- I think I looked her up just in the last year or two, and I think she is. Mm-hmm. And um, she has a really famous brother, and I cannot remember his name, and I think he may have passed. He was really, really well-known minister and, and whatnot, and I cannot think of his name, and it's her you know, maiden name. And I can't think of his name. You'd know him if I if I said his name. Anyway, but yeah, she used to come, um, and she would speak at our church sometimes too. And uh, whenever she came, I mean, she would get really. She understood what the Bible was all about, and that it was that. And she would preach, especially out of the Old Testament, but it's pictures of Jesus and and his church, and 
And um, so she would really dig out the beautiful spiritual truths. Mm, I love that. I love those pictures. And I love it when you do that as well. Um, I, yeah. So I, I think in conversations in these big spaces that we've been in recently um, and overhearing people, even it, it's kind of like uh, what we talked about on Sunday, the road to Emmaus. It's kind of like you, you have these people talking about the happenings of, of what's going on in life and what's going on in Tulsa. Did you hear that Carlton died? I overheard a couple of guys talking at a Starbucks just a few days ago, and they were unsure about whether or not he had passed. And it was kind of like this. And the other guy said, no, I he did. He, he absolutely did pass. And they had. And then the the gentleman speaking that knew that, that he did pass only knew a portion of the celebration that week of the events. And so it, it's just interesting when you're on the know and you know exactly what's going on versus what people overhear. And they're, they're not, they're now sharing that as the news. And it says, Oh yeah, they had this, this one service at transformation with Michael Todd. And, and I would, I didn't want to get involved in the conversation and didn't need to, but it's just interesting to hear how, news travels and how information gets passed and how people leave with like a certain part of a picture. And in, I was in another uh, memorial service that I actually was con conducting that week uh, for a friend of mine whose father passed, who was, in, who was also a Rama graduate and um, had a lot of conservative uh, Bible teachers there in the room um, over, you know, over 75 years old, probably. And I love to talk to them and hear their hear their stories hear their wisdom but there was a, a scientist there his younger sister actually um who phd in arizona university um and still lives out in in tucson now but anyway um she's a professor emeritus now and and still is part of the learning community but obviously not teaching um the way in which she once did but she I'm getting, I'm driving to a, a point here of, of hear, overhearing people's conversations or being a part of conversations where people um, who believe in expansiveness, believe in love, believe that that God is love and that that, that mandate is within us to do the same thing, that as we have been loved, we are to now love and extend, extend love. And in the light of Carlton Pearson and the message that he was so ostracized for, that, that, that love. And with people who believe that, people who, who would say that, yes, I'm a follower of that teaching. That is what I do. That is who I am. I just love everybody. There's usually, even with people who, who speak that way, there's usually a, but I have no idea what to do with, and then fill in the blank. They name some well-known political figure or a, a well-known ministry figure or a, a certain denomination or church or a political affiliation. And there's like, but I really don't know what I would do with the, and then fill in the blank. And I'm always just so just so happy to hear those words because it opens up a conversation then for me to share how I can in my own mind, because of the work you and I have done together around the judgment of God and the wrath of God and 
and, and then of course heaven and hell, but it, it opens up a conversation if they're willing to listen about, well, this is how, this is what I would do with that. So-and-so fill in the blank. This is what I would do with that. And this is, this is kind of how I would see that that would work out. And, and we don't have the certainty of it, but it's just when it's, we've been around, I've been around a lot of conversations lately and people are, are fascinated with who they believe are going to be judged. Who's going to get the judgment of God? Who's going to get the fiery wrath of God? And, and Carl Pearson was one of those names, you know, in some of these circles. For sure. I mean, they, you know, some of the articles that I had read it, it were saying, man, I wouldn't want to be in Carlton's shoes when he steps over to the other side and has to face the judgment seat of Christ. I would, well, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes for leading all of those people astray and, and, and making them believe that, uh, you know, using his voice and his platform and his popularity to tell people that God loves them when God is a, is a holy and just God and God, requires repentance and God requires you to turn from your sin. And if you don't, there is a place in the lake of fire for people like that. And and I wouldn't want to be Carlton Pearson. Oh boy. You know, and so I guess I come to the table today with some of that as the backdrop and the judgment of God, um, as we have talked about, um, over the years, um, as I'm as I'm speaking, as I'm saying and bringing up all these memories and bringing up these different names, what's going on for you? What is happening um, in your mind? Where is your imagination going? Um, I am. It makes me really sad um, how many people, um, just like on social media, which I don't spend, I I. Like even we were talking before how um, you, uh, I don't remember if you said it while we were recording or not, but how you mentioned that, you know, you didn't think to tell me because you assumed that I knew about some of these celebrations. But um, I spent so little time watching news or reading social media or anything like that. So I, I a lot of times I'm completely unaware of a lot of stuff that's going on. Um, cause I don't feel it's, um, necessary. A lot of people think, oh, you have to know what's going on in order to, you know, how else are you gonna fight evil and all like the, uh, this, this friend of mine, we've been having this back and forth conversation where we were anyway. And it finally, I, I, uh, ended it by saying, I don't see that, that anywhere, um, that we're supposed to be judging people. I mean, it's just not what we're supposed to be doing. And, and, uh, and so I find it so fascinating that it really is this, this kind of an event with his passing brings out all the, the, um, the passion that people have for judgment, thinking that that's the purpose of the church to judge. And, um, and so like one of these conversations I had with this friend, I sent him back and he I said, why do you think you're supposed to judge? Well, Jesus said, you know, in Matthew that we, we have to judge fruit. And so we need to, we need to, we have to be judging. We have to be judging fruit. Then in the last days, this evil's going to rise up and 
we we can we have to be looking at trees and we have to be fruit inspectors and um and i'm like that is the most i said seriously that's that's your belief i'm like how can you possibly and this person i i i've been friends with for over 40 years and um very close with and i'm like i don't get how you could get to that i said you know, I get that you're reading it out of Matthew, I think it was Matthew 9, but I said that whole chapter, it starts with Jesus telling the disciples not to judge. Judge not, lest you be judged. The end of it is, is you have to look at it in context. After Jesus goes on and on for the first half of the chapter, talking about all the ways that we're not to judge, then at the end, you have to go, wait a minute. Now it sounds like he's telling them to judge. Well, all right. you have to do is look at what, what they had just asked him. They go, what's it going to be like in the end? And he goes, oh, there's going to be all these people that are going to come with deceiving doctrines. You know, like that you can judge fruit by their trees. You can judge a tree by its fruit. Good, good fruit doesn't grow on bad trees and bad fruit doesn't grow on good trees. Jesus wasn't saying that's what we're supposed to do. He was explaining the kind of doctrines of demons that would be coming from the false teachers in the last days. They would be the ones that would be teaching that the purpose of the church was to judge. Oh, my gosh. I'm reading it right now. Matthew 7. <laughs> and when in that yeah. lens, Matthew 715 Sermon, Sermon on the Mount, um, yeah. he's got, skipping around all these different things. And it says, beware, beware of false prophets. I never saw that. It has the beginning. These are what they're, that's what they're going to say. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Look at that. I, I didn't, I, I just thought it was like, and seen. And then now Jesus is declaring the truth. You will know them by their fruit. Nope. Do no, men have their grapes with their the, What the type of teaching, the false, and it's a complete juxtaposition to the beginning of chapter seven, you read the first half of chapter seven and it's all about judge not lest you be judged. Why do you, and, and Paul kept saying that, why are you judging those people? You're not, you're not their master. You're, they are, they are, you're, you, you're judging God's servant. And that's, you, you don't walk into your, in my translation, I put it, you don't walk into someone's home and eat dinner and then complain to the chef for the way that he made the food. That's rude. That's not your servant to, to tell him you're making you're making this chicken wrong. What if that guy likes buttery chicken? Well, I don't like buttery chicken. Well, it's not your house. Keep your <laughs> mouth shut. It's not your servant to be judging. That's what Paul said. Their huh. only time the oh, and he goes, well, Paul did talk about you know judging that that kid in in that you know that was sleeping with. It. It's like yeah, but that's a different situation. He said in those in your own family. You can you can encourage to love, and these churches in Paul's day that he's talking about, like even in Corinth where that was going on, these are teeny tiny churches. They were under for three hundred years. It was the death penalty if you were a Christian during the time that Paul's writing this. So these are tiny hidden house churches that were therefore secret families. So you're talking about this 
family, maybe 20 or 30 people. Absolutely. And that's where he's saying, you're letting this guy who's he he's taken up with his his stepmom. And you're making the dad sit in the back of the church and you're bragging, you're sending messages to some of the other congregations saying, look how we have excelled in grace. We're letting a stepson sleep with his mom and sit in the front row with her here in church. Paul's like, are you nuts? That's cool. How is that? I know, that's so beautiful. Like, that's so beautiful to remind everybody like the communities that they were living living in. It was important, the sexual morality and why Paul always like went there in his letters was to help them live in community. The, the sexual act and the choices that people made with their sexuality was a very much a communal fam, familial decision. And, and he yes. was creating that so much more than it is for us today. Um, right. And it, and uh, what I want to go back, I think, to that, that the beware of false prophets, da, da, da. I, I really think that the reason and we know this, but I think it's worth for their sake, for people who have read this text and have come to a conclusion that, hey, you're going to know them by their fruit. Like, and that's what Jesus was. We think that's what Jesus was trying to convey. And, and I'm wondering if it could be both because kind of you do know what type of tree it is by the pecan leaves and the nuts, right? I mean, you know it's a pecan tree by the fruit. It's not wrong to say that. Well, here's here's where I would say I would disagree with that statement because what Jesus was pointing out was two things. One, he's saying, and Paul point this is this is what most of Paul's correction, his rebukes to the churches were in, in this issue about not judging. Because when we judge, when we think that we're able to judge somebody, what we're really looking at is if the, if, if it's not in, if they're acting not in love. And how do you know that? Well, that's what the whole Old Testament was. The Ten Commandments and the other 613, but especially the Ten Commandments, are a list of things that people who don't have relationship, intimate relationship with agape love, God himself, are going to do. Because we, by our design, were designed to be in communion with the Father. So you take away the source, you take away agape love, you take away the true sap, and root of a human being, which is Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit, is the sap. The Father is what it's all embedded in. Jesus is the root. He's the tree of life that connects us to the, the whole. If you take a tree and you cut it off, that's what Adam and Eve did. Again, as I, in my translation, it says that eat freely from each and every tree without exception. But of as of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, tree of life. It's all one tree. Don't eat from it apart from. Don't eat from the tree of life, the, the, the part you can see, apart from that which you can't, which is the why is the tree here? It's the, it's the ultimate expression of the goodness of God. And so when they did that and they, they ate apart from, they separated themselves that all mankind is subject to do that. Now we have trees. All humans are trees up until the time Jesus dies with no root system. 
We have no ability to bear fruit. And they thought that they could. They thought they could be good. So they go, tell us, go get a list from him. Anything he can ask us to do, we're well able to do it. So he brings them this list and it's like they can't do any of it. That was the whole point. It's mm -hmm. a list of things. Oh, you think you can? Really? Okay. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. That's one of the things Jesus said is that's the, that's the crux of it. It's like you can, you can just, you can camp there. If you, can you love your neighbor exactly like you love yourself? Well, two problems again there. I don't love myself. So then how, how can I love my neighbor? <laughs> and so all of that is impossible. Just like forgiving seven times seven. All the, uh, Peter says, that's impossible. Jesus goes, exactly. With man alone, it's impossible. Okay. But with connected to God, everything is now possible and that's okay. what i've come I'm to gonna do get back to, to the trees though i want to get back to the trees because it says goes on to say even even so every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot bear bad fruit nor a bad tree can bear fruit what is he even what is that even saying what, what do you mean like a bad tree explaining what these what these teachers are going to teach and what did they teach they teach we can judge how do we judge we just look at the people's actions. So it's your that your behavior it bespeaks of whether you're a good person or a bad person, whether oh you're going to hell or whether you're going to hell. And that's okay. hold on a second. No, that is so huge. Because no, hold on. So there's a thing, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly. They are ravenous wolves. So he's already making the picture of it looks like one thing on the outside, but inside is this other way. They're, they're starving and hungry. That's what happens when you're not connected to life. You're starving. Why did Paul say, why did Paul say, um, look at these guys. They, they were, you were once Christians. Now you're not. Now you're judging people. Why? Because you yourself for, have forgotten that you once were saved by the goodness of God. When okay, you were but it's this, it's this weird thing. It's this weird fine line that you just said about the small house church community where the son, the stepson is sleeping with the father's wife and, or the, whatever, this, a son of some sort is sleeping with the, with the wife, right? And so, and they're like, stepmother. He's sleeping with his, his stepmother, yes. With his stepmother. Okay, so, and they're like proud, like they they think they're doing the right thing. They were on the other extreme. They think look, like, we're not judging. We don't judge anybody. Just like you said, Paul. Look, we let this guy. It's like, wait a minute. No, now you're now you've gone into the other ditch. Okay, but that's what, that's what I'm saying. So, I, I that's I think the the argument that we're that so many are trapped in. So many are trapped in. Well, the grace of God doesn't give you a, like, you know, as people say, a license to sin or a license. To, but right. there, on the one hand, <laughs> it's requiring us not to. And I understand the two contexts that you have the in the house that where you're judging and and creating organization, and you have the outside of the house you you have out here. So I understand that there's two, the inside. There needs to be delineation outside. That's not our our business to to judge that on the outside. But I, I'm really still here on the 
bad tree, good tree. So you're you're saying, I mean, but they would have understood. We all understand that you know what kind of tree a tree is by the fruit. See what you have to listen to what Jesus said. He said, "Good fruit on, is is only on good trees. Bad fruit is only on bad trees." So now they're making a judgment based on behavior. I can judge that some people are good and some people are bad. But see, then that eliminates going all the way back to, well, then God said he created all good. Oh, so now you're, not, you're, you're, so that now you're, that's, see, I think it's the seventh commandment. You shall not bear false testimony concerning your brother. When you do that, see, you're, you're saying, I know God has redeemed you. I know God created you good, but I'm looking at your behavior. So I'm judging that you're bad. So Wait, now, so you're saying that Jesus is not trying to give a science lesson on trees right here. He's not talking about trees and he's not talking even, about the teaching of the false teachers. They're going to try and use logic and say, look, we know if you got bad fruit and we got a bad tree, you got it. That one's going to hell. So we can that's easy to judge. Well, Jesus People talk about that all the time. People that look like they're good, but they're not. See, you can't judge that way. Jesus Jesus said he knew what was in a man's heart. He knew they were separated from the Father. Why? Well, because all men, for one thing, all men were separated from the Father. They were all, because they were all sons of, of Adam. Um, and they this is before the cross and before the, the possibility of man being completely, perfectly reunited with God can't take place until because we're all sons of adam and all of adam's children are stuck in this body of flesh that is incapable by the law that adam created as the one who god had sovereignly given him all dominion and authority on the earth whatever therefore whatever rules you make whatever precedents you set that's the system, and I am going to subject myself to it as the ultimate servant. That's the universe God created. So it sounds like right from the beginning, Adam decides, okay, well, the way I want to run this is I want to run it apart from you. And God's like, okay, good luck with that. It's not going to work. Well, then it sounds like then all of the children are stuck. It's why Paul said, if all became sinners through the work of the one man. Mm-hmm. And so, see, we're in this dilemma. It's this movie where it's like, you know, the protege looks like the protagonist. I mean, looks like he can't win because mm-hmm. he's he's over. He's he, it's like we just come to find out, you know, something about this guy. And it's like, wait a minute. This whole time we were rooting for him. And now we just realize there's no way to win this. That's the story that the Bible's painting. There's no way to win this. But see, God in his wisdom, he goes, but you don't know something. See, I have this son that's planning. He's going to come. And when he dies. He's going to die as and for every single human. Jesus said, see, to Nicodemus, and everybody thinks that this is about we have to become born again in order to get into the kingdom. Paul said, when Jesus died, we all died. When he was raised, we Mm -hmm. were all raised. So Jesus drug us into, he took us through the grave, through death, and now into a new life where now we are all been born again into the kingdom of, of God. 
we were all we've all been born once of water. But you're talking birth. about but the spiritual but... birth comes by Jesus when he died on the cross. We were all pulled into it. Now, again, that so that one, yes, it does mean we're all going to spend eternity ultimately with the father as children. What it doesn't mean is that here on the earth, everyone is going to walk in a blissful life completely connected to God, because that is still up to the individual, whether or not they will receive the message and accept that they they come to recognize that they are children of God. Right. And then have a then then approach the father connect to the father invite jesus in he sups with them and then they begin to have connection and now out of that connection because they they've been their old man adam the adamic nature is is died and 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 is is dead and then we have to now paul keeps saying we have to reckon ourselves you have to now live your life as though that's true and now live connected to the father and as you stay connected to the father his very nature will become i don't think i don't think you will begin to love as he loves well, I don't, I don't, I Even your always think that there's a step before that, which is we begin to be loved and understand what is love first. Yes. It certainly doesn't just flip a switch and all of a sudden you're loving. Oh, no, the whole thing is a, is a long, sudden, in fact, it's a multi-lifelong process. Because but I think, I think only back to a the few trees, people are even going to get it on this side. Back That's to the, the trees, yeah, like you're like. He, the point wasn't, hey, um, the point, uh, possibly, the point of this is not to say, you're going to know that it's an apple tree because it has apples on it. That's not the point. The point was, there's there's false teachers that are saying that there are good people and there are bad people. And yes. you judge that them was- and their relationship to and with God by their actions and jesus saying no you you can't the way to determine the value of a human is not by how they act no it's because god declared them children of god that's it so everyone we have to look at everyone as a child of god even even, why are you judging these people of course they're acting still like an idiot because they don't know god Right. Why, why, I mean, of course, they're still stealing. Of course, they're lying about people. Of course, they're lying here and doing this and that, because that's what you did before you got born again. Right. Before you found the father and you found that you were deeply loved and you found out you were the beloved. That's exactly the attitude and the actions. You had no choice. You were a ravenous wolf inside. You were starving and you would do anything to get scraps. I think so. So some... don't judge people that are still stuck in that situation. Our job is to reveal to them. And I don't know. I, I don't know. This still, this still feels like we're, we, it still feels like there's a before and an after for, for the, the believer, if you will, that, that we acted this one way before and now or to act this other way. And that feels like what conservative mainstream Christianity is teaching. And that that is like, okay, you used to do this. Now you need to do this other way. And I'm, I'm not sure I'm bought in on that. Like I, I don't. That so, is- so that's all justification. That's the, the, the term. See, redemption is once and for all 
Everybody's been redeemed. Justification is to come to the place where you access it. Again, it's been taught incorrectly because it's been taught that when you begin to do good things, then you will get more blessings or something like that. But that's not the point. The point is, is that when we, when we come to realize that all have died in Christ, including me, all my past sins have been paid for. Therefore, I no longer need to feel shame. Guilt is one thing. Guilt is I did a bad thing. And so that's not good. That's, that's okay. Shame, on the other hand, is I did a bad thing. Therefore, I'm a bad tree. See, I'm judging myself. I did a bad thing. I have bad fruit. Therefore, I'm a bad. I'm, so I'm shamed. God never wants shame. That's why he, so much of the scriptures, so much of why God did everything he did was for the removal of shame, that you would believe in any way that you're a bad tree because you did a bad thing. So he, he wants and to eliminate that. That belief then you go on, then you, then you join with God and then you believe, move forward. And well, then you believe do, that you're you, bad. Salvation comes in different ways. It comes in. It comes in different forms because I I think that it it is it is a little bit like a wolf in sheep's clothing. The the way in which we think about ourselves because I think that there can be this idea of like okay I'm a bad person, but then it could be more subtle. I'm stupid. It's a little. It's more subtle than I'm just altogether bad, but I'm not good enough at this or there's something wrong with me i i'm i'm stupid or i i don't have what it takes to do and fulfill in the blank and i and i think that there's layers of um well the, the transformation the renewing of the mind the renewing of of the person that is in relationship and is in communion with love itself when 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 a person is communing with love itself the, the when, I mean, come on, if, if you're if you're actually communing with real truth and real love itself, there's going to be a change in the way you think about yourself and, and, and eventually others and the way that you think about other people because you've seen I was I was listening to the uh, the science mic uh on the radio today the friday science science mic or whatever and he was interviewing a an astronaut that um had a hard time getting in getting accepted by nasa and finally did and was able to go into outer space and was able to have that that classic view that we all have seen or have heard about read about that when you were looking back onto the world from that perspective and he said it was like looking at a paradise it was it was so beautiful and so heavenly where we live was so heavenly from that perspective that it was so moving to him that he tries to remember that when he's back on the earth mm -hmm. thinking how blessed he felt out there that he lives here that he gets to live in this precise atmosphere that keeps us all alive and as we're able to grow things and we're able to keep keep us all all alive and we can breathe without aid and that 
view feels to me like the com- the communion that we have with with love when i when i take a seat with love and i see how heavenly i am and how beautiful i am if if i can remember to take that seat when i'm thinking of the other one the other group then then i might be beginning to love as i've been loved but i i i don't i don't know and then but i don't know how that translates to behavior i don't know how it translates to how whole swaths of of christian people who were now it, it's hard to in this in the way way we talk about christians today it's like when you say you're a christian what do you mean by that like what what kind i get almost for a person like me when i hear that someone's a christian i get a little nervous inside cuz i cuz i think oh you probably don't have space for a person like me if you're a Christian, this means that this is not a safe place. And that is sadly, like what you said earlier, it's sad that that's what it has, the term has turned out to mean. Right. right. And I, I just, I don't want it. I don't want there to be this before and after like Paul was trying to do with the lists of things that we've talked about before the lists of hey you used to do this and you list all these things you know like drinking and partying and carousing and lying and cheating and stealing and all this stuff but you were washed and now you don't do that anymore and and I think that there's there's some guilt for people who are living just their human life and are not living it like to the standard of what we would think of as holy. And I just, I, I think there's some freedom in, there's got to be freedom from that way of viewing people, of of viewing people by their behavior. Well, that guy, and I, I hear well-meaning house church going folks that still condemn strongly others just by the music they listen to. Or the, you know, oh, this guy listens to this kind of music. He's not, he's not living a holy life. And I mean, what would you, I don't, that, I mean, is that the whole reason why we're not supposed to judge? (laughs) How can we even begin to judge and delineate like that? How can we do that? Right. See, everybody's on a continuum. Everyone is on a continuum. So again, when you read the individual letters that Paul was writing in, and you look at the situations where he's telling them what to, what not to judge, like he, like when he's talking about, um, well, here, let me do this. I'm going to literally open up and um, read. We're going to read the Bible. The Bible. Uh, where Paul is talking about this. Um, let me get down here. 
Um, where am I? Sorry. I don't think that, I mean, I think the judgment that we're talking about with people in this good tree, bad tree um, conversation and Hebrews 9.27, which is kind of where I thought we might end up, which, it, you know, it seems to be saying that there's a judgment after a person dies. And um, and that's why they were, you know, not wanting to be in Carlton Pearson's shoes or whatever. And I just am fascinated by that thought process. And I know that they come by it, honestly, because if you stack the scripture up a certain way, it can definitely allude to that, that there's a, that there's a judgment and that that judgment is to be feared. Um, oh man, what, what do you have? Did you find what you were looking for? I still haven't found. Okay, here, let me, um, See if this might have some. Okay, so here's so while you and your hereditary blindness, blindness aimlessly wander around in the darkness of another's making, you did unkind deeds, speaking pain-inflicting words. Words create life, but they can also bring death. In the age before Jesus, no one knew they were the children of the Creator; they were under the delusion set up by the first Adam. He had decided to forget the loving father and attempt to be like him without him. An impossible task. Like wood trying to give heat with no flame or ground trying to bear life for seeds with no water. Man without connection to the father cannot give true life-giving words. So naturally, all who followed after were all born lost children and by Adam's choice left to speak out through the air lifeless words death words only destined to per perpetuate ever increasing darkness no one knowing the long abandoned truth this left all helpless souls who were designed to be loved and give love to try to live without inner light fueling love thus Bound in shadows, all lived in starvation of soul and purpose, scouring other lifeless souls for any scraps. All relentlessly clinged to the belief that one day the deep desire to be loved might be met. But none found rest. Peace faded as a myth. Light no longer penetrated the darkness. All lost, even the memory called hope. But God, overflowing with gracious mercy and kindness, being love itself, took our lifeless husks, dried from ages of dark, sunless existence, and plunged us into the saturating, sun-drenched livingness of Christ. This passionate act saved us from death-filled life. But that wasn't enough. Not for him, no. It's never, there's never enough goodness because that's our God. By placing us in Jesus, when he was raised and given his rightful place of authority at the Father's right hand, we are now there with him in Jesus and in the Father, all in heavenly realms that we can't even comprehend of. And why might you ask? 
Why? So that all the heavenly hosts who've been watching this glorious story play out over the millennia might get a glimpse, a beautiful feast for their eyes of so and souls, of just how incredibly marvelous, generous, passionate, and oh so kind our Papa really is. He gave us this restoration to original purpose as a love gift, no strings attached. All it requires was for someone to believe that the Father loves them completely. But to show us just how string-free this gift was, even Jesus did that believing for us. So everyone's on a level playing field. No good works are required or even desired. We are like works of art, fabricated and stored within Christ, walking out our lives so beautifully held by Father's forethought. His divine thoughts take shape through us in an infinite variation. So now get this picture in clear focus. Once Israel, in their darkness, placed a dividing wall between you and them. Well, that wasn't by God's design, but a man-made idea intended to cause everyone to focus on skin-deep issues of who was in, who was out. They claimed, you're not chosen. And so you were kept from the possibility of learning anything about the promised seed who would one day free mankind from the bondage created by Adam. This left you with no knowledge or even any hope for coming change. Anyway, it goes on and on. I mean, see when you... I want you to tell us where that was. What 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 letter was that? That was That's Ephesians. So that's, this is all Ephesians 2 here I'm reading. Okay, so that's cool. So Ephesians 2, that didn't sound, it sounded a little like 1 Corinthians 6, but Ephesians 2 makes a lot more sense. That's really beautiful from your own translation. And it, I think that what I love about your writing that is it, you just keep, it's like you just keep juicing out the love out of all of these passages like if at first it's just seeds <laughs> you just keep juicing until it's just the clear juice of the of the love of god and god's love for us and how these silly skin i love that skin deep issues and the way in which we judge ourselves and others uh Oh man, and and Paul in in the first part of First Corinthians letter says he doesn't even judge himself. He doesn't he doesn't right. have anything against himself, yeah. Because it, and and what a beautiful thing, just just so that nobody could compare their own ability to follow God. He put, he put all the faith on Jesus and made it come from Jesus as us. So we live by the faith that Jesus has in love, that it's not even on our own faith, and we're included in that. I think that we've probably gone on long enough today. We didn't even make it to Hebrews 9.27, which I would love to at some point. But, you know, I mean, all of these, we were hoping that we were going to have have some mindset shifts, and I, I know that I have about that one one particular scripture in Matthew 7 I mean he sets it up so beautifully beware of false prophets and it goes on and I can just imagine Jesus saying they say this and they say it's going to be like that and it's going to be like this 
and man, text lacks tone, man. <laughs> text lacks tone. It's too bad we didn't have real recordings of of what was being spoken, but we have it through these human hearts and minds. Um, thank you for talking with me today. This was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for thank you for reading from the lyric and and letting it be out there for people to hear and enjoy. They can go back and listen to that. It's just so so good and so beautiful. You're such a a beautiful writer. I love the analogies that you come up with. They make a lot of sense to me. What was it like? Like wood trying to give off heat without flame or something? <laughs> yeah, like ground trying to get, raise up seeds without water. Yeah, impossible. Yeah, it's really good. My one, my favorite all time is like the extravagant love God has for us is like a husband when finding out that his wife fancies uh, tulips buys all of all oh. or something. Yeah. And like you, you have two other good ones there. Yeah. 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 The guppy inside the ocean. Like, I, I always get the, the generosity and extravagance of God's heart when it, I feel like even with God, or with God in my own imagination with the guppy example, like the nature of God is like, are you sure this is enough space for you? Are you sure this is enough room? Are you sure you have enough, all that you need? It, it, and it's like, yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you very much. I almost forgot that we were on a, on a recording. I guess we should say goodbye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so let the peace of God, which passes all understanding, just guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus until we speak again. God bless you and your. Yes. <laughs>